Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Inside the Birds is back. What's going on, everyone? This is Inside the Birds, powered, of course, by Defend Your Head, makers of Protex Softshell Helmet Technology. And we are live from the all-new Market Tavern Irish Pub in downtown Philly at 30th and Market. We have a very lively crowd, as we've had the last three times we've been here. Eagles fans at the bar, people eating, drinking, getting very excited for this game on Sunday. We've got Adam Kaplan to my right, former Eagle Billy Osborne to my left, I'm Jeff Mosher. We got plenty to talk about here as the Eagles prepare for a major showdown at home Sunday against the Houston Texans. Obviously, playoff implications. This is uh, an amazing turn of events for the Eagles, considering where we were on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) where uh, Ozzie was already getting his draft homework ready, and Adam was milking the agents for free agent conversation. But no, the Eagles are in it. They got a big game against the Texans. Adam, I'm going to start with you. We got a seven-win Eagles team versus a 10-win Texas team. Now, math tells me that the 10-win team should be the favorite, right? They should be better, but the Eagles, depending on where you look, could be anywhere between one and two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. What does that tell us? Number one, guys, the Texans aren't probably as good as the record would indicate at 10-4, and and the Eagles, after their scintillating win at their home away from home in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, they're probably better than we thought. You and I did pick the, the Eagles to lose and get blown out. And Bill Osborne, although Bill, Bill did pick them to win, the Eagles to win, he did say, I think I'm picking with my heart, maybe not my head. And he was kind of laughing as he said it. But the bottom line is the Eagles are resilient, and you never underestimate the heart of a champion, as Rudy Tomjanovich once said of his, his, his uh, Houston Rocket team. This team is so resilient. Jeff, I know you wrote about it for your Patreon site. Uh, It's really remarkable what they've been able to do because I just assumed we were going to come here this week, put a postmortem on the season. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I credit a lot of that with with Doug and how he runs the team, and we're going to get into that in this podcast because I think it's something that we really have to talk about as it pertains to how they have prepared this week for the Texans because Doug has done some unconventional things that we're going to get into later in the podcast from a practice standpoint, Ozzy. But I got to ask you this because you can give us the best sense of what this is like, right? This is a late-season game. This is a team that has scratched and clawed and fought to get back. you got people here at the Market Tavern that are excited. Two weeks ago, they didn't think it was going to happen. But what is it like for the players? Right, You're in a locker room where you know these guys are in do-or-die mode. And just in your time, it doesn't even have to be with the Eagles, guys, right? You've played in the World League. You've been on a lot of different teams. You were at Pitt. What is it like when you're in this kind of do-or-die early playoff scenario? It's, is it tense or are guys kind of lo- – like what is, what is the locker room like? Well, I, I think it actually is a, is a good thing because when you get into this long of a season, you got to remember when you're talking about OTAs and, and the beginning of camp, it can drag on. So when you have something to play for, it definitely helps. It, it, it gets you you know, gets you know through those practices, gets you up in the morning when you're driving them. Because let's face it, they're, they're humans, and, and they – have feelings and they have you know pains and aches like anything else so when you can do something to get people focused and stay focused and maybe even get them a little energized it's it's a positive so this is a really good thing for Doug and the staff can you think in your playing days of a scenario like this where you're on a team that has a chance in the last game or two to really you know get into the playoffs or keep their playoffs alive and how that 
atmosphere is different, not just from a, yeah, we, we have this in front of us, but just do players change? Do they, do they, I know some guys can get tight, some guys can get loose, but in general, what have you observed? Do you have a, a, something that stands out? Yeah, I mean, uh, in college, you're, you're playing for a bowl game, so you had to, you know, win, and you knew that. And it's interesting because if your season doesn't really turn out the way you want it to, then, you know, you get those pre-practice talks like, you know, you got to play for pride. You know, you got, I mean, you're going to be on film. You got to play for one another. So the messaging is a little bit different. Whereas now, Doug and they had that carrot about the playoffs and they had that carrot about getting into the offseason. So from my perspective, of course, when, you know, with, with Buddy, you know, your goal was always the Super Bowl. But, you know, you're always like to be, you almost like to be, uh, you know, in charge of your own destiny. Uh-huh. And to a certain degree, the Eagles know that if they lose, then they're done. So that's a big motivating factor because you can't mess up in practice. You can't be late. And they know that. So everything is buttoned up. And maybe it is a little bit tighter. All right. Well, I can understand that. I, I think in what I've seen from the Eagles this week, is that you've seen the opposite. I think you've seen a very loose team, and we're going to get into some of the things we've seen. What? I'm going to give you, you asked me one, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you, here's anecdote. one funny perspective, and Adam, you're going to love this. I'm playing for the University of Pittsburgh. We just beat Penn State to no, go 6-3. That's, that's it's impossible. And every year, Penn State and Pitt is the last game of the season. Uh-huh. But for whatever reason, they missed it, or they changed it, and now it's the, I guess it was the ninth game of the season. So, it's my senior year, and we're 6-3. and three. And we had beat Penn State, who was a top-20 team. We had beat Syracuse, who was a top-20 team. We beat Notre Dame, who was a top-10 team. And all of a sudden, at 6-3, and three, keep in mind, they didn't have 35 bowls. There was only 15 bowls. Yeah, a better time. Exactly. <laughs> and we were thought we were going to go to the Gator Bowl. And then we were told that for whatever reason, that our AD could not get the deal done. And they were going to take a 5-4 and four Michigan State team Ooh. who had a chance to actually lose their last two games and go 5-6 and six against a Pitt team. So now we're playing NC State the next week. And I think that based on this, that we are going to be so upset and we are going to come out so focused. And we beat NC State the year before, 30 to nothing, and now NC State's going to the Peach Bowl and the Pitt Panthers at 6-3 and three are not going anywhere. We are going to knock the living you-know-what out of them. And I got buddies call me every week. What do you think? And I always say, listen, I, I think we're going to win every week. I stop asking me. We're, we're going to win every week. <laughs> but this week, I said, we are going to win. We are going to destroy NC State. So we go down to Carter-Finley Stadium. Not only do we lose. <laughs> oh, no. We get shut out Ooh. on offense. And I break my collarbone in oh. three places. All right. Uh, so the moral of the story <laughs> yeah. I got here, Don't you just smack. never know. Don't go to pit. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I got. You're going to get, get screwed out of going to a bowl. You're going to get so mad about it, you're going to play on emotion right. instead of talent. Exactly. And then you're going to get your ass kicked and hurt all in one. And so we thank had, you for that. We, and we had like eight first and second round draft picks who had said, you know what? Forget about this. And all their agents were saying, worry about the draft. You sure it wasn't University of Penn that you guys beat and not Penn State? Are you sure? Your memory might be a little, a little fuzzy on that. All right, let me, let me tell you guys where I'm at with this game Sunday. Uh, I think we're all in the same boat as far as the Eagles that went out to L.A. and beat the Rams. It's not a surprise. They played well. They have a lot of playmakers on offense and defense, and certainly their best players, Fletcher Cox, Michael Bennett, Alshon Jeffrey, they did what they're supposed to do. So while it was a great win, not a surprising win. However, going into this Texans game, I can't help but feel like I don't know which Eagles team <laughs> is going to show up. I, w- I want to think that the one that last Sunday against the Rams is going to show up, and they actually will win this game if they Jeff. do. But I've seen the, the, the great Nick Foles, and I've seen the one that gets hit a lot. That's why they're 7-7. Seven seven. Sorry to jump exactly. in, but that's why they're 7-7. Seven seven. Oh, yes. Well, yes. You know, they've earned that record, Jeff. I know You seem frustrated, by the way. You're saying, like, if you need you to guys, calm right? down, Billy, I, I, holy I, I thought he was going to, like, hit Jeez, somebody right there. I, 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 part of, why? My, part you of our job is to try to be a good analyst, right? Right, and right. There are times when you think your an- an- analysis is so fundamentally sound and rock bottom. Then the team goes out there, throws five picks, lays an right. egg, does everything that you never envision sure. happening, and you look like an idiot. But go well, ahead. But, 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 Jeff, okay, you're saying they did what they should have done, like they were supposed to do. 
But the thing is, this D-line has not brought it like that. The urgency that they had. Cox was, look, he's usually always good. He took his game to another level. He did. There's that, there, there's, there's that great gif of... Uh, it's a gif. A gif, I mean gif file. No, file, it might be a gif. Whatever it is. <laughs> of him giving John Sullivan a rod. He picks him up and throws him. That yeah, was awesome. That was. You don't see that very much. Um, their D-line. And how about Haloti Nada? Haloti Nada, Jeff. What You watched the tape. I saw it. Can I just tell Where you, my, he come from? my eyes fell out of my head? 94, Dude, by the way. He almost picked off a pass. <laughs> No, he literally swam past the left guard. Not Sullivan. Who's the left? Austin Blythe, I think. Blythe, yeah. Blythe. He just swam past him like he was 15 years ago with the Ravens and jumps in front of Goff, who throws the hey. ball, and he almost picked it off. He's not been healthy. Remember, he had a calf problem. Yeah. See, the thing is, and Doug had said this a couple weeks ago, the hope is that everybody gets healthy. When it's relatively speaking. The guys are just not going to come back, like the guys on IR. But the, the, the guys had been nursing injuries. Now they're back. For the most part, um, and hopefully that they'll get Sidney Jones back. Probably outside chance for next week. But the bottom line is, Jeff, you're right. They, they brought it on both sides of the football. When this team dominates on both sides of the football, we're talking about the Lions, offense, defensive, I, I just don't see them losing. Now, last week was a great example. If you continually pressure the quarterback, that helps your secondary. Yes. And that's why Avanti Maddox, to me, was the star of the game. I mean, it's very clear to me watching that game. And we'll fast forward in a second to what DeAndre Hopkins is going to bring. That's another, another story. But they were picking on Maddox. In fact, if you remember to, toward the end of the half, they ran the same exact formation and the same exact play to Josh Reynolds on Maddox. And he covered him like glue. And, and, Bill, I would ask you this question. The thing that, that personnel people told me before the draft is they didn't think he was fast enough to be a starting quarter. That's why he was available not only in the fourth. Some teams told me that they had a six on him. The Eagles right. had a four on him. I was told height also being only right, five, five, eight, nine, five, nine, five, right. five nine and, and four tenths of an inch. Bill, what did you Look see when guy. four tenths of an inch? It. Well, you know how I know because I asked one of their scouts <laughs> who, who had his numbers. But can Bill, I just ask? Wonder yeah. what, what did he look at you? What kind of facial expression did he make when you said, "Oh, can you also give me the it was down over, to the tenth? It was actually over the phone. So. Oh, there you <laughs> go. All right. This guy I can picked, only imagine. This guy picked on me because he saw me. He's following me on Twitter and he, he took a shot at me. He's like, "Dude, how the hell did you pick against us?" I was like. Are you serious? You guys are <laughs> right. cripples at quarterback. Exactly. So, Billy, tell us about Avante Maddox. And how could a kid who shouldn't even be playing right now because their top three quarters are out, why has this kid been so good? Because you, you called his games a pit. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I was very blessed to, you know, get, see him grow from a young, inexperienced freshman to one of the leaders of the Pitt Panthers. And I think what, I, I think what was remarkable about his evolution as a player is that you really had nowhere to hide in, in the defense of the Pitt Panthers. The way that they play, uh, if you look at, you know, Coach, and he, his name is Pat Narduzzi, he came from Michigan State, where they had a lot of, or I don't say a lot, but a good number of defensive backs that oh, played yeah. in the National Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, see, so, and, and why that is is because Coach Narduzzi is a guy that says, we want to stop the run. And if it takes five, we're going to do five. If it takes eight, we're going to put eight guys in the box. doesn't matter. So that means your corners and your safeties and your defensive back are in a lot of man-to-man coverage. So you have to figure out a way to understand that and also deal with getting beat and playing the next play and not worrying about if you get beat. And I think with Avante, the question is, how how is he able to do that? And I think because of his experience in playing man-to-man coverage, it's like, you know, he didn't play a lot of zone. He played a lot of man. So he is used to playing bump and trailing and getting inside technique and flipping and running with his hips and trying to get in front of a guy. All right, well, I'm going to throw a flag on myself here because I'm about to make a statement that I know a lot of people listening and people here at the Market Tavern are going to say, dude, it's one game, or just, dude, it's one season, chill out. But I think I've seen enough football and and talked to enough people and studied the game enough to to at least try to make this comparison without now sounding like an idiot, all right? He's shorter than most corners in the game these days. He lacks elite speed, but he's very tough and he's very smart. He's extraordinarily prepared. He reminds me, guys, a little bit of Sheldon Brown, who came out of South Carolina. Now, he was a second-round pick. I think he probably ran a little bit faster than Avante Maddox, but he was a guy who was only about, I don't know what he was listed at. It may have been 6'6'1", but every time I stood next to him, he was looking at me eye to eye, and he's five, I'm 5'11", right? Sheldon Brown was not fast was not tall, but he was really physical. Everybody remembers the hit on Reggie Brown in the playoff game, right? And he was smart. One of the smart... This guy was so smart, Ozzy, and you know how difficult this is being a a wide receiver, right? This guy would beat 
receivers in the one-on-ones in training camp because he knew the route they were going to run, or he would just press the hell out of them at scrimmage and not even let them get out of their breaks. You know, those are yeah. those those workouts are designed for you guys. Yes. You spoiled-ass wide receivers hey. to win because there's oh. no pass rush. But he was amazing at that, and I, I just see some similar DNA from, from Avante to Sheldon. Yeah, and when you're playing constantly and getting practice like that, that, that's a great point. I mean, when you just see the shiny helmets and the cheerleaders and all that stuff, that's only 5% of the work week. The other 95% is in training, watching the film, going up against guys one-on-one, seven-on-seven, constant reps, reps, reps. So he's a guy that's benefited. And keep Oh, here's the other thing, Adam, I want to tell you. Avante's been on the field since he was a freshman at Pitt. So it wasn't like he just played as a senior. He played, you know, 50-some games in college at Division I against some of the best talented receivers and running backs and quarterbacks in Division I. Yeah, no, I think, you know what, that's a great point, Adam. A lot of people, like, I, I pay attention to college football, not as much college basketball, but I think a lot of people forget, if they're not a fan of Pitt, that they play in the ACC now. So everybody kind of thinks of Pitt, and they think of the guys like Ozzy mentions, the old, you know, like, the, the, give me some old Pitt legends that I can think of. Tony Dorsett. Yeah, exactly. Thank Mark you, Tony Dorsett. Dan Marino. And they think of the cold Hugh weather. Hugh Green. Right. Bill Frelick. Who was the defensive lineman that was amazing in the 90s? Sean Gilbert? Sean Gilbert. Right, there Absolutely, you go. Absolutely, yep. So a lot of people remember that in the old school way, but they play florida state they play clemson they play really good wide receivers every year so maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that a kid like maddox kind of comes into the into the nfl and has that seasoning about him it's always interesting when teams miss on players because i remember trying to gather intel um, before we did our show in august just trying to figure out who this kid was i just you know talking to the eagles i said well we think he'll compete for the nickel position that's probably what he's gonna be a slot corner and they were not expecting him to be it but they thought he could compete for it and then Opportunity knocks, and Bill knows this is a former player. You never really know how the guy's going to react. But I thought it was interesting when Jim Schwartz, and he made it You could tell when Co- Bill, Jim Schwartz does not throw the compliments around. Throws them around like they're manholes, like manhole covers. He just doesn't want to <laughs> get them out. But yeah. he loves this kid. You could just tell. And his competitiveness, I think Bill might have mentioned that. His competitiveness is off the charts. And he's like, bring it. Let's go. I'm ready for it. You just don't see this in a rookie, and with, with that locker room, and you guys know this, the Eagles have a tremendous locker room, there's a certain expectation. When you're out there, you're expected to play well. And right now, you could argue he's – that. I think he's right now better than City Jones. Oh, I don't even think that's yeah, a question, yeah, Adam. Yeah. I think he just looks more NFL-ready. Yeah. Not to knock Sydney. He's obviously dealt with injuries. But I tell you what really makes me optimistic, not just about Avante, right, but I think it reflects well on the front office, is that – and I've written about this a lot. You've reported on it. You go through the Eagles drafts, right, from, I want to say 2003, which is the year after <laughs> they took Lido and Sheldon 1 and 2. Go from 2003 to 2013, and you will find, you know, Jack Aikuguanu, Curtis Marsh, <laughs> Did you have to Matt <laughs> Ware. I mean, you will find a list of corners who just couldn't. Eric Rowe, they trade him. How the hell did you remember Jack Aikuguano? Listen, man. Unbelievable. You said it right. Wisconsin, fourth round pick. ACL. I think he's in jail now. I don't mean to make light of it, but I think he's in jail now. But they have constantly, constantly, year after year, Ozzie failed to get even legit NFL players in the first two rounds, and here they got a kid in the fourth round. And and when I I looked at him, too, this is something that we were talking about the ACC. He played against, uh, I'll forget this too, you know, and I told everybody in the National Football League and I told the guys I saw, the best quarterback that I saw that year was a guy by the name of Mitch Trubisky playing at North Carolina. You like Trubisky, huh? You loved him. him. I told him that, you know, remember the quarterback for Oklahoma State? I'm trying to think now. I'm I'm drawing up. Oh, uh, the guy the Steelers took. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell. uh, No, no. Is it Mitch or... Mitch, no, uh, oh, I can't. I remember his name. Wait, Oklahoma Qu- State quarterback, quarter, oh, quarterback. quarterback. Oh, 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 Mason Rudolph. Mason, Mason yeah, yeah, Mason yes, Rudolph. Yeah. So he threw for about 600 yards on the Panthers. I'm not kidding you. It was wow. almost 600 yards. Wow. It was unbelievable from the first play to the last play. And Avante was out there running, doing everything he could. We had a banged up secondary, and I told everybody. If you want to watch some film, watch the way he played. Like they, I said, watch it. And if you want to see a guy we're going up against, watch Mitch Trubisky and him, and watch how Mitch Trubisky, in my opinion, was by far the best quarterback that I've seen in three years, in the last three years. Colin, I said he's a. There's no doubt he's going to play in the National Football League. I told Terry Bradway, who's now you know was a GM and now with the Dolphins, and 
You watch Avante go up against him. Trubisky kept going on the other side of the field. All right, I was going to actually save this question, but since you're what you're saying is really pertinent for right now, I was going to save this question for later. But Jim, let's look look at this Texas game, right? Jim Schwartz has two options, in my opinion. I think well, maybe more than two, but here's what I think is is more logical. Someone has to guard, as Adam was saying before, DeAndre Hopkins. He's probably. I think it's safe to say he's the best wide receiver in the game right now. Right now. He's yeah. right, right, he is just incredible. He catches everything. Um, someone has to guard De- DeAndre Hopkins. So normally DeAndre lines up on the left side, and normally Jim will start Rasul Douglas on the right side. So, But that's not etched in stone. Certainly it's just where guys have been healthy this year. If you're Jim Schwartz, do you start Avante Maddox on the side, on that, that right side, so that he's intentionally matched up a lot against DeAndre Hopkins, or or do you start Rasul there, use a safety kind of as a bracket player or a linebacker, you know, bracket DeAndre with Rasul and another player and let Avante handle Demarius Thomas, who's not a bad wide receiver, not what he he's used big, to be. He's big, 6'3", yeah. But he's big, yeah, they're both yeah. really big. Do you put Avante Maddox one-on-one on the other side? You want me to take that no, first? Yeah, you're the okay. coach, man. I want you here. You know, the first thing is, I mean, and this is more, I think, just from watching tape. Um, although I would give Russell a lot of credit. He's played the last two weeks. I, I, can't, I can't even see this is the same kid that we've watched because I constantly was disappointed in the way he got beat inside in man-to-man coverage. He kept losing contain, kept losing contain. So just on that alone, I have a little bit more confidence in Avante playing bump coverage and playing man just based on what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody's going to be able to cover Hopkins. I don't really think that you man up. I think you're always going to have to have a safety up over top. But if you are going to roll the dice and coach is going to have to blitz a couple times and you got to be singled up coverage, my opinion, even though the size-wise is different, I would go with Avante. Okay, but the way you described it, Adam, the way Ozzy described it, and I agree with him, is that Jim's going to alternate. He's going to blitz sometimes, not a lot, but he's also going to play his traditional cover one, maybe a little cover two because he played it last week. If that's the case, if he's going to slide a safety toward DeAndre, I think then I would rather have Rasul plus one and then leave Avante alone on the other side to handle because somebody's got to handle the other side by himself. And that's where I worry with Rasul having to handle somebody one-on-one. I would, although you, they, they, move, uh, they move Hopkins around a lot. He may start on one side, but he, he's going to move. But I, it, of the two of them, I, I trust Maddox more because he's more twitchy. Not that Maddox is a speed guy, but he's going to give up size. That's the one question when we talk about Maddox. Kenny lasts on the outside because when you go against six foot two, three, or four receivers, that's going to be a concern of mine. Uh, if he gets matched up with Demarius Thomas, who's 6'3". Hopkins is about 6'1". But the thing about Hopkins is, and you'll see this on Sunday, if you play zone, it beats every zone defense because he, he sits. He's a zone sitter. And he never drops a pass. Never. A great route runner, great hands. Right. You just, I don't care if he gets 12 passes. If you keep him under like 12 or 13 yards to catch and keep out of the end zone, we're good. If you want to play bend and don't break against him, fine. Let him get fantasy football numbers. That doesn't matter for, for this, this matchup. Just keep him. Don't let him get deep. Don't get beat deep. Now, to answer your question now, do you have too deep? Like, h- how do you handle this? The bottom line is, though, you've got to double this guy. Because I don't. Tamaris Thomas is not the same player he once was. I don't worry about him. Right. There are, there, by the way, there are 12 personnel offense, almost exclusively. Two tight end and two receiver. Guess who their third receiver is right now? Uh, I believe it is DeAndre Carter. It is, correct. Oh, John Barcher, not very happy to hear Kiki that. Kiki QT, who is a draft pick. QT. He's got a hamstring injury. He's had it for two months. That's right. Very iffy. Uh, he had one monster game. So DeAndre Carter, and the Eagles probably should have given him a little bit more of a chance. They played him way too much early, and that wasn't fair. I don't think he was ready. Right. He was a good special team. Turner Bill O'Brien sung his praises, man. He really likes him. He's got to play well, about a He's very fault. tough, by the way. He's a very good yeah. blocker for a guy yeah. who's 5'8". And they run the ball a lot. They, they, are, they are probably, other than Seattle, the, the other team that runs the ball. We're talking big balance teams. They are unbelievably balanced. and It's incredible. The last two seasons that Watson has never averaged more than 30 passes a game. He averages between 28 and 30 because they, they are a big balance team. So you're going to have to beat them with what you do and – Remember when you said to start the show as we move on here? Yep. Can they show up? Can the Eagles dominate? Can they bring it two weeks in a row? If they don't, they will not win because the, the, the Texans don't beat themselves. First three weeks when they're 0-3, they did. When they reeled off that nine-game winning streak, they don't turn it over very much. Right. 
the only thing they do give up is sacks because the quarterback calls the football out. Well, once again, it's and we mentioned a little earlier, it's about the D-line because I do think, Ozzy, that you're going to see a lot of zone. I think you're going to see, as Adam said, a lot of doubling. You're going to have to back your guys up and get depth, which is really what the Eagles want. The only thing is Sean Watson. I mean, you've seen him play firsthand, I'm sure. He, he is a jitterbug. He is one of the most electrifying players, and he's not necessarily a quarterback who only runs. He's got a really good arm. I've loved this kid ever since college. I had a feeling he was going to be a really good player, and he is a very good player. Now, he's not perfect, but he's coming off the injury. He hasn't had as great of a year as, as his first six games last year, but this game is going to have to be on the defensive line, and their rush lanes, I assume, are going to have to be a little bit different than normal because of what he can do outside the pocket. Yeah, there's no doubt the defensive line is going to have to bring it. They're going to have to worry about, you know, as Adam said, they like to run the ball too. It's a very solid offensive uh, unit there. So the defense is going to have to play probably their best game, and that defensive line has got to, is obviously the key. I don't care how, you know, what the matchups are, especially with those wide receivers. The defensive line has got to get pressure on the quarterback. There's no doubt. they got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And we know that he can run the ball. We know that he can, or he can run with the ball. He's a good passer out of the pocket, too. But I think with a young guy like that, you know, you're going to want to bring pressure, make him get him off his spot, make him move a little bit, start getting at his feet. And I think that's when you're going to have success. And, and the key, no doubt, is the defensive line. With a guy like this, do you think it's smart, if you're going to blitz, to force him out of the pocket to his non-dominant hand and try to make him throw kind of against the body or to, through half a field? To his, to his non-dominant side? Yeah, I think that it, it's funny. When I, when I would call plays on defense, uh, and even, even now when I'm calling plays defensively, and I always tell my outside guys, don't let them break contain. No quarterback likes to stop when they're rolling out and have to stop and throw. And if you're going to make him roll out, you want to make him roll out to, your, to his left because then he's got to get his body around and squared up to throw the ball down the field. And you just think about it, just when you're looking at it, a guy like that is very comfortable rolling to his right because he will take off and run it, and he can throw it on the run almost as good as there. Some people will say he throws a better ball on the run than he does in the pocket. So that's the way I would do it. I would outside rush him and make him roll to his left. All right. You know what I love about this podcast so far here at the Market Tavern? The crowd is lively. I've got my yingling. Adam, you had – what are you – you're already done with it? Yeah, Guinness. Look at yeah. you. you. You're on I your Guinness, fifth man. Guinness, so, I mean, you're going to start slurring any moment now. It <laughs> only takes two. Ozzy, I'm ready for one. Ozzy has this amazing, like, flatbread barbecued chicken pizza thing that I had a little bit of, yep. and now I'm in love. So, But what I really, really love about this podcast, along with being able to eat and drink this uh, great food here at the Market Tavern, is that we are almost 30 minutes in, and we really haven't talked about Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. And I think that's great because <laughs> – how many? It's in this city. It's like someone took a, a dead horse and then took a golf club and started beating the dead horse, and then they shoved the dead horse into a car. You have to get so graphic. I, I mean, know you're on, an animals dude. guy. I'm sorry. We just ate. Do you get my point? This food is so good here. By the way, <laughs> it really is good. No, I, I want to tell you a quick story. So I had to get away from it today. I was listening to sports radio, and I love. And, of course, the topic was oh, like WIP Bowles or versus Wentz. Uh, yeah, it was WIP. Oh, New York, too, right? Uh, yeah, well, I was first listening to WIP. Okay. And, you know, Joe and John were doing a great job talking about Fultz and talking about Wentz and everything. And I just said, you know, I just I was looking for some baseball, some Manny Machado. Is that him, by the way? Is he over here in the corner eating with? No, no, that's not Manny. All right. It, you never know, man. We're in Philly. It's, you know, I mean, could, he could be here at the Market Tavern. But anyway, I wanted to get away, hear some baseball talk. Right, so I go to WFAN in New York because I know they're big baseballs. They have John Heyman on, they have Ken Rosenthal on. I'm like, oh, what's going on with Machado? The first thing I hear is a caller call into a New York midday station and say, "Hey, he goes, I'm a Dolphins fan. Hey, I gotta tell you, I'm really hoping the Eagles win out with Nick Foles because I want the I want the Dolphins to get Wentz, and I think if we trade two first round picks, oh my God. we can get Wentz for two. And I, Mike, I almost threw my my radio out the window. I was like, I gotta, I'm gotta. i trying to get away from this. Foles mania has swept this city, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Nothing. Wait, you like it's that? it's you like now that? permeated into New York. What do you think, Adam? Does your contact say we're going to get uh, two first-round draft picks for Wentz? Eagles aren't moving Carson Wentz. <laughs> He's their franchise quarterback. Well, so, so let me ask you both where, this. Where do I have to go, yeah. by the way, to get away from this? If I go to Seattle, is somebody going to call? I mean, I explain. So, so just for our listeners, if for anyone who's listening for the first time, so, Bill 
and uh, Jeff and I, we taped our podcast, I'm going to say, what, Wednesday? Yeah, and Wednesday I did bring morning. it up. And my, thing, my sense is this happens in every city. Everybody loves a backup quarterback, but they love him, especially if he's a, the NFL's MVP in the Super Bowl. That means a lot to this town because they've never had a Super Bowl win. And they're in love with Nick Foles. I, I get it. It's like just because Carson Wentz is not where he was last season, it's like, okay, well, we're going to move on to the next guy who we think can be. Well, no, no one around the league, by the way, no one around the league thinks Nick Foles is that good as the fans do. I mean, and I, not all of them, just that, that cult loyal. And I love them because you know what? He won them a I damn. Too. He won sure. them a damn Super Bowl. So sure. I say, have your way. You want to? I have no problem with it. Man, it you're was passionate that, tonight. Well, man. I was just trying to get away from it's it. Ridiculous. It, it, it's absurd. It's like it bit me in the ass. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I saw some articles. Ruben Frank wrote about it for uh, NBCPhillySports.com, and I know you wrote about this stuff at, at your Patreon site. The bottom line is, it, it's like this in every city. They love the backup quarterback, but this one is so unique. Yeah. You know, Nick, I watched the tape. I've talked to people who watched it. I talked to a team that's doing advance on Nick, especially if somehow the Eagles make the playoffs and Nick's the starter. Played well, didn't play great, did a good job, got the job done. But Nick, you know, Nick's problem is the longer you play him, the more questions that there are. Just be careful, people, as you're listening to us talk about this. Nick has been a flawed quarterback the, his entire career. He was a product of Chip Kelly's system. Once teams got a book on him in 14, he wasn't as good. Eagles thought so little of him, they traded him to the Rams, ironically. He was awful for the Rams. He was going to retire, and Andy Reid talked him out of retirement. That's exactly what happened. And we love Nick. Nick's an awesome guy. He did a great job, Jeff, but let's, let's slow down a little bit. The Carson pe- Wentz is the guy. The people who I have the most appreciation for, Ozzy, are the people who recognize that the Eagles – have one of the greatest quarterback situations in the NFL and maybe in NFL history to have uh, an elite quarterback in the making like Carson and a Super Bowl MVP like Nick Foles, right? And they and instead of using that to divide fans or make it polarizing, I think it's just great that people understand the reality is that that was just the Eagles did everything right in bringing back Nick and having Carson here, not trading Nick. This is why you didn't trade Nick Foles, to win games on the road against L.A. when they got more atten- like almost five more wins than you. Well, before I address that, let me just do my imitation. Let's see if you and Adam can figure this out because you just said maybe the best quarterback tandem in history. Back in 1970s, the undefeated Miami Dolphins oh, yes, yes. had the quarterback tandem of Earl Morrill. Bob Greasy and, and Earl Morrill. There yeah, you Earl go. Morrill. Yeah, and Morrill, Bob Greasy bad. was this, you know, as Dan point, everybody likes to back up, and Bob Greasy was the great quarterback. It's why I wore number 12 in my whole career. I think I've said that before. I was a Dolphins fan, and Greasy went down, and Earl Morrill came in. And number 15, yeah, number 15, exactly right. So you're right. It, it is the benefit. And if you remember on our talk shows and we were talking about this, there was a lot of discussion about what would ha- should Howie trade now, Wentz, because he's got more, are you ever going to have more value now? Not Wentz, Foles. Should you ever, uh, Howie should get this draft pick. I mean, we, I mean, there was people calling in talking about that Foles was at the height of his you know, his popularity, you had to go, you had to move him, you know, for the good of the team, to make another quarterback, to make another run at the Super Bowl. But this is why Howie did what he did, which is you never can have a quarterback, that a situation like that, especially when your quarterback is coming off a major knee surgery. So thank goodness that he didn't do that, because this is exactly the reason why. All right, I want to move, move gears a little bit. Actually, it involves Nick Foles, but I want to get both your opinions on this, because I found this to be in my almost 15 years of being a reporter, if I can still call myself that at this point, uh, on the Eagles, to be the first time I've ever seen this happen, Adam. This week, on Wednesday, Wednesday is the day, you know, you get Victory Monday, you get Tuesday off, and if you're playing on Sunday, Wednesday is the day you reconvene for practice, and usually, if you're gonna bring pads out, which you only get once a week, it's that day, because you just had two days off, right? On Wednesday of this week, Doug Peterson, conducted a walkthrough i've never seen that on a wednesday for this team now maybe it's taking place well, they have a pre, teams typically have a pre-practice walkthrough but what they did this week because they got home right so it was late, that was the practice they got home look physical football game it's late sunday night remember that east they were three hours behind but when they got back they got home i think someone said at 4 30 in the morning 
and they're exhausted. They needed time off. I mean, they, 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 I get that. Um, but, yeah, it, some teams now, Jeff, when we, you and I first started our career many years ago, teams would never go up to practice. Right. So, uh, um, the Rams head coach, McVay, routinely does that when he thinks his team needs it. Teams do that. Even Belichick does it. When, when teams need a day off and they're beat up On physically. On a Wednesday, though? Is it, well, that's I, I, their light day. I mean, no, Wednesday's the install day. Right. Uh, Thursday's the heaviest day and Friday's the lightest day. But right. They, you have to know as a coach what your team needs because if you think that they're, they're shot, it's late. This is week 16. Don't forget, this isn't week 8. So, yeah, I, I get it. it. It is a little surprising, but, Doug, look, listen, you wrote about that, I think, for Patreon, right? I did. Does and he not know his players? Well, that's, that's where I, I, I didn't just automatically, sometimes we, we jump to immediate judgments, right? My first reaction was, well, you know, you have, you're on a backup quarterback who hasn't really played since week two, who needs all the reps he can get. And, and not only that, you have so many guys like Avante Maddox, right? Young kids, Rasul Douglas, who really need every practice rep they can get. So my first reaction was, is this right? But then I really thought about it, and I also thought, A, two things. One, there's so many veterans on this team, guys over 30. Sproles, Michael Bennett. Uh, Jason Peters that they're leaning on. You know, the, I, I'm sure there's more that I haven't named right there, but they're about four or five guys over in their 33, 34 years old that they're leaning on, and they just traveled across the country. They had a 95-snap game against Dallas the week before, and I get that. And then the second thing that crossed my mind, Oz, is that I can't question – I can question play calls a lot with Doug. I cannot question his, his read of the locker room and his finger on the pulse – of the entire roster, because for uh, in that regard, he's been unflappable for his, for his three years here. Yeah, and, and at this time of the year, you know the mental reps are so important, and you want to also make sure that you don't do too much. You want to keep the veterans, you know, the legs healthy, and you want to keep them, you know, we want to make sure that they maximize their potential on game day. And Doug, as you guys said, he understands the locker room, and sometimes by doing that. You can also get the, you know, get the focus of the guys a little bit more because they're saying, man, this guy gets us. You know, some guys would just come out yeah, and pound you, Yeah, great point. Right? Yes. This guy just says, you know what? Emotional intelligence. Right. And so the, so the locker Jeffrey Lurie's favorite word. So the veterans are in there saying, man, we, we love playing for this guy. You know, and, and, and that right now can mean just as much as, you know, and what are you really going to get out of a one-on-one drill physically at this time of the year with the, what I'm talking about with the potential for an injury or potential for guys to get hurt, potential for them to get tired. So there's more upside probably to the mental reps. Yeah, I, I, this is one of those things, Adam and, and guys. I just think that it's not one of those things that you judge only the result, meaning if the Eagles win, this was a great idea. If they lose, <laughs> you criticize them. Right, I right, think right. no matter what happens, I trust that Doug is making the right decision with this. And I, I, I do think that guys like Avante and Rasul, uh, some of the young tackles that they have playing – they, they do need as many reps as possible, and Nick being the backup. But honestly, you know, there's there's Corey Graham, right? There's Brandon Graham. He's thirty. I mean, there's a lot Corey of guys. Graham. On, oh my there's God. Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. These guys probably very much do need the rest after that travel, and I think this is going to help them. Yeah, Jeff. The, remember the accumulation of snaps that they've had. Now you're talking each team averages. What on each side of the football, sixty snaps a game. Right. So you look all the snaps that they're eating up. And they played late to late Eastern time Sunday night. They had a six-hour plane ride back. That got home very early Monday morning. They're shot physically. You absolutely do that. So I have no problem about it. I get your point, though. You hate to give up reps. But the Eagles are big on their pre-practice walkthroughs. They yes. do it before every practice. Right. They get that, plus they get practice time. They have their Saturday walkthrough. Um, they'll, they'll be fine. They have the Sunday pregame warm-up. I'm not too worried about that, but... The, the thing is, though, it is week 16. Being crisp is very, very important. I'm telling you, this Texan team doesn't give you very much. No, they're Bill good. Bill O'Brien's done a great job with them. Yeah, he has. Uh, about the walkthrough, though, I want, I want to hit on one thing. I think that the, the average fan perception is that a walkthrough is basically the same thing as, like, a, a TV show. It's just all acting. You just go out there. Uh, you, don't, you don't run. You don't catch. You don't throw. You literally – well, you might have a little lob, but you, you just literally script out – what you're going to do, and I think the common fan, Ozzy, doesn't think there's a whole lot of value in a walkthrough. You're right, and that's why uh, they're they're a fan, and they don't get it. But you, you know, just rub it in. Teams, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can again at this ty- at this type of the year, time of the year, in the National Football League, 
you know, there's not many. Some teams don't even go out, and, and they'll just go out in uppers, or they won't even go out in, in, in uppers. They'll just like go out maybe just in helmets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shorts. Just because at this time of the year, there's so many things that you've already done. Really, the only thing you're trying to get done now is install the game plan for that week. It, 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 the physical part is, you know, is during the game now. You don't want to get anybody banged up during the week. In a lot of ways, because of where your practice is and because how many players you have, you, you want to make sure that everybody's healthy come game day. Is it arguable that a walkthrough could be more imp- important than an actual practice from a, from a cognitive standpoint, from a learning standpoint? Yeah. Wow. I mean, my, my, my impression is that at this time of the year, you want to do everything you can to focus and get them uh, their attention. And, you know, the physical part of it is not really that important right now. On a walkthrough, you can move much faster. They, call it a, they actually call it a jog-through. Yep. Uh, in the National Football League. So, yeah, you could move faster. But the thing is, though, there's not any competition. Like, you'll get in practice. The Seahawks, by the way, like, Pete Carroll comes up with, like, you know, competition Thursday. He'll come up with some title. Right. But, um, look, we're in week 16. There are two weeks left. The coaches always say, all hands on deck. Anything you can do to get an edge, that's what Doug's doing. And and I trust his judgment. One of the coaches told me this this season – the, the players adore Doug, and they'll do whatever he wants. Even Michael Bennett, you hear? I mean, he he's been praising Doug. He yes. he likes the way Since that he's he been handled, here. right? Yeah. He's, he likes the way he's been handled. Doug knows when he got Jason Peters. He told people privately, "I'm not going to work him like the other coach did. I'm going to back off him because uh, Peters is not a secret. He didn't like Chip Kelly the way yeah, they practiced. That, yeah, and and, and Doug was aware of it, right? And he backed off. Oz, let me ask you this, because you played in an era of the authoritarian coach. I mean, you played in a time, 80s, 90, even in the 90s, going back to the 70s, whether it was Buddy Ryan or, you know, Bear Bryant, Tom Landry. I think it's safe to say that there's kind of a shift in the coaching landscape as far as younger, offensive, um, emotional intelligence. You're not seeing Belichick's really be as successful as he is. You're not seeing those types being hired a lot. How do you think you would have... How do you observe Doug? Did you ever play for a coach in your era who you can compare to Doug, a head coach, who had that kind of a feel for his locker and that kind of a comfort level with his players? Well, it's interesting. Mike Godfrey, who was my coach at Pitt, I remember one time, you know, I I had a, um, let's say, uh, a little different mindset when I was playing. And um, I usually let my emotions on my sleeve and I'll never forget one time he grabbed me and he goes Ozzy if you're going to curse go sit down on the bench and I was like what you said F you coach yeah. no, I, I was like uh, okay and I, I, I remember I was cra- I was coming off the field and I was cursing and I, so coach Godfrey was a guy who did not scream and yell he did not curse and you know I had a guy Joe Moore who there's a there's a an offensive line award you know the best offensive line in college named after well, I think that Bill Frelick, uh, who just passed away, was one yeah. of the best offensive linemen in the game of football, said, Coach Moore is the only person that can insult you, your family, and your religion in the same sentence and get away with it. So here was a guy that did nothing but curse. So I think that Doug, at this type of – now the players are – they want to be treated as men. And especially a, a veteran locker room like the Eagles – you know, that's why maybe a guy, Chip Kelly, didn't really get it because they don't want to hear the rah-rah. A lot of times, you know, you get in college, you know, you know you're playing for your time. In the National Football League, some of these guys, because of their contract, they're playing regardless. But Bill, and they know it. Right. I wouldn't, Doug is not rah-rah, but he's, a, he's an unbelievably positive guy no matter what situation. When Wentz went down, he was really the only one that was never phased. He's yep. like, okay, we're going to handle this. And the players and, react. I think they like that. And you need that in your building because their front office, they're losing their franchise quarterback. They knew they got that pick right. They, they, the trade looked like it was going to be a home run. I still think it will be. And you need that voice of reason. And Doug is just amazing at it. I, don't, I wonder where that comes from, whether it's his father. I don't know. Maybe I, family. I, I don't I, know. I think, and you know, maybe sometime in the offseason we'll, we'll have a guest on or we'll get deeper into it. But certainly when you look at the Andy Reid coaching tree, you find a lot of those guys – with a similar steady personality, knows the locker room. I've heard that about Ron Rivera. I've heard that about Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. You've heard that about Matt Nagy in Chicago. You hear it, obviously, about Doug. I mean, it just – Andy always looks for – he doesn't look for yes men, but he he surrounds himself with people he knows is going to carry out 
his message throughout the locker room. And it just, it doesn't, to me, it's not coincidence that almost everybody that comes from Andy's tree is a lot like, and Andy is renowned for having a wonderful feel for his locker room. And you're exactly right. And then you flip that and you go over and you look at the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. And you have a coach there who's known as a screamer, yeller, cursor. And Which and, one? Uh, Craig Williams now? Or? Yes, yeah. Craig Williams. They did listen to him, though. Yeah. And, and here's a guy that doesn't care if you're a starter or not. He's going to insult you. And people are saying that that's what the Cleveland franchise team and franchise uh, team needed. They needed a guy like that. Whereas I don't think he would play very well in Philadelphia. No, I, don't, I just no. don't think that and type that, of personality the, would play well in this locker and room. And the interesting thing is his general manager, John Dorsey, comes from the Green Bay slash Kansas City chain where Andy came from and Holmgren and the same guys who are known for being having that locker room intelligence. So if you were going to – or emotional intelligence. If you're going to ask me to handicap – you know, all the potential head coaches for the Browns. I'm not putting uh, Greg Williams high on that list because I don't think he's what John Dorsey's going to be looking for in the offseason. He's going to be looking for an, another Andy Reid guy. I'm, I'm positive of it. He probably will be unless they went out. I mean, you're going to say there's, there's something to be said for that type of personality for this team at this particular you know, time in their journey. And I think what and Adam just said that Doug is not a rah-rah guy. He's a positive guy. And I think the other thing that the players love in a coach, and in particular with Doug, is they love honesty. He's real, yes. They love when somebody is going to tell you that, you know, here's why you're not playing. They're not going to sugarcoat. They're not going to say, well, you know, no, keep working. You're going to play. Doug's going to say, you know what? You need to be better at this to get playing time. And he's consistent, and I think that gets the respect, too. And he protects his players publicly like Andy Reid did. That that is a great thing to do. Now, and Doug, by the way, and we can move on after this, but it's important to note, when he needs to go after his players and coaches, he'll do it in front of everyone. I I think I've told the story once uh, during the playoff run where uh, the pass, I believe, was to Alshon Jeffrey. He either dropped it or fumbled it. The ball went on the ground, according to two team sources, and he, went, he was livid because no one knew if it was a fumble or a drop. And they just watched it. And he's like, I, paraphrasing because I wasn't there, he's like, what the blank are we doing here? Go get the goddamn football. You didn't know it was dropped. What are you standing there for? And he went after his coaches as well. Mm-hmm. He couldn't believe it. He snapped. <laughs> so guess what, guys? He's, he's a human just like us. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll lose yeah, it yeah, once yeah. in a while. And so does Andy, by the way. Everybody knows <laughs> the story about oh. George Hegeman and the blocking slip. Oh. But, but there's been several times. By the way, you know what George Hegeman said? You gotta come, Eagles got to come correct. That was it. He was over for him. Oh, yeah? I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and with Andy, the Michael Vick story, Michael Vick's first practice in, 20, uh, in 2009. So Vic just got out of jail, as we know. And... Uh, <laughs> Or 10. Was it 10 or 9? I don't remember. Whatever year, whatever year he got out of jail with the Eagles signing. But so I'm there standing. You know, you're not allowed to really report what coaches, what Andy would say to the players. But I've never forgotten this. I'm going to tell it. So Vic did something. He just wasn't moving fast enough. And he goes, that, that, that shit might have worked out in Atlanta, but that sure as hell ain't going to work here. And I'll, we're all looking at each other like, like did Andy what? just say, I've never Record heard Andy curse. Stop. I didn't know that. Listen, I didn't, <laughs> Jeff, I didn't know that Andy curses. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Well. Because I only know him as this, you know, a Mormon. You know, what do I know? <laughs> One day. With the BYU, right? How do I, yeah, how do I know I'm this? with you, Liam. One day I'm sitting down. I do, I'm, I'm at the Wilmington News Journal. It's my fourth year as an Eagles reporter. And everybody uses training camp to get your one-on-ones in, right? So I get a one-on-one with Andy Reid, which was pretty cool because I don't think in the past he would have done that. But I had kind of established myself on the beat for that paper. And we're sitting down, and I said, Andy, you know, I noticed yesterday, man, you were tearing into some guys, and I really haven't seen you like that. And he goes, Jeff, well, you know, I'm Irish, and I'm a redhead. So, you know, every once in a while, I got to lose it. <laughs> so, I was like, enough said, Andy. I got on the you. record, he said that, huh? Yeah, on nice. the record. He nice. was, pretty, was pretty funny nice. about it. All right, listen, look, I, I think there are some uh, interesting developments this week that we have to talk about, and that's getting Jordan Hicks back. So we're going to get into our injury segment here, presented, of course, by Defend Your Head, makers of Protect Softshell Helmet Technology. Saying it loud for the people in the back here at Market Tavern. You got kids who play football. You got to get them outfitted with Protect Technology from Defend Your Head. Uh, Jordan Hicks is going to be back, it sounds like, so that's a really good positive development. And maybe even Tim Jernigan, who's been able to practice, I think, a little bit this week. You're talking about, Adam, a Texans team that runs the ball a lot. Ton, yeah. And even, even and, and Jordan just is one of their smartest linebackers. You know, you have a running quarterback. They really need to be on their keys, really need to be disciplined. 
Yeah, so Hicks will play barring a setback in pregame warm-ups. Now, here's the question. With Bradham playing middle previously and doing a good job, do they just ease Hicks in? That's the question. With Jordan Hicks, do you ease him in? Don't play him a lot. We'll have to see. Cast trains are a bitch, man. The, the players tell me. No, tell me about it. It's it's it, no, it, it, <laughs> no, I know. It, it's it's tough. It catches your it catches you. You got to explode. It, it's not good. Uh, Michael Bennett should play with his foot injury. Journeying with he's got a chance now with his back spasms. It's looking more positive. But the big one, you wouldn't say two weeks ago was a big one. Cravon LeBlanc, he's a game time decision. With his hamstring injury, that's not good. No, no. They need it. They know hands all deck at corner, right? Yeah, because there's no Sidney Jones. Nope. And so who's going to be there? Is it Devontae Busby that would have oh, to play no. the slot? No, no but the, to your point, though, they're, they're hurting at slot. They, you know, DeAndre Carter, I don't know how many targets he's going to get. But, you know, you can flex out a tight end. Malcolm could, could kind of play that role if he needs to. So, yeah, I, I think it's more positive than negative. But hopefully, hopefully LeBlanc plays because I think he's been an improving player yes. for the team. Ozzy, to have these middle linebackers, both these linebackers back, if Jordan Hicks can come back and just give him, I mean, it, you almost start to see the light at the end of the tunnel with this defense. Yeah, and, and this is the time when your, your teams are trying to get healthy and seeing who, the, and sometimes the teams that are the most healthy are the ones that are the one, uh, you can kind of peaking right now. So for an Eagle defense that has been, you know, banged up and battered and, you know, have lost so many starters, um, to get guys like that, is only going to help because not only can you give guy rest, you can actually do different packages. You can put different things in that the other team's not ready for. So um, the 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 enormity of this cannot be undersaid. I mean, no. it's just not right. especially nickel because then yeah, Billy, you could use Hicks. Remember, before he kept having these injuries, he was incredible in nickel to start his career. That's where he get those interceptions and turnovers, yeah. Jeff. So Bill's right um, in, in in nickel or dime if his if his calf could hold up. That gives you something else. Because, man, if you could give Bradham also, a, he, so he doesn't have to play every snap, right. that would help. Um, Sidney Jones, I don't know even if they play next week, whether he could play. Does it, he hasn't even practiced yet since he had his latest setback. So I, I look forward to this game, Jeff. When you look at the matchups here, it, it's going to be fascinating because they, the, the, the Rams got handled, the Eagles handled them. This is a different team that I think is, I'll be honest with you, the Texans right now are probably a better team than the Rams. Um, they might be, but I want to bring up something because I dig, dug deep into the Texans' All schedule right. this year, and I, and I pulled out some interesting nuggets. But before I even get to that, as we wrap up our injury segment, I want you to know every year in the United States there are more than 3.8 million sports-related concussions and that most of these injuries occur in children and young adults. Defend Your Head is leading a revolution in head protection with their soft-shell technology product called Protec. Protec is a protective helmet shell made from specialized polyurethane foam that absorbs and dissipates the energy caused by a hit to the Protec cover. Protec acts like an airbag, guys, delaying the timing of the impact, just like an airbag delays the time of your body and head from hitting the dashboard when a crash occurs. Protec is scientifically proven to reduce G-force impact by up to 70%. So for more information about the Protec helmet shell used by Penn State, Temple, and Penn football programs, or to place an order for your ProTech yourself, email info at defendyourhead.com or visit defendyourhead.com. Now, Texans, 10 wins, uh, started off 0-3, right? So everybody knows that that means they've gone 10-1 and 9 straight, 10-1 in their last 11. I looked at all the teams they played and <laughs> the quarterbacks that they faced, and here's all the quarterbacks that the Houston Texans have faced this year. Blaine Gabbert, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, Brock Osweiler, Cody Kessler, Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, Sam Darnold, Nathan Peterman, Eli Manning, oh and a little bit of Alex Smith. Half of them are backup quarterbacks. Well, and they're about to face another one this weekend. I know, but they're pretty damn good ones. <laughs> yeah, this one's good, but are we overrating the Texans? They have a top, a top I think, 11th-ranked defense. Their front Maybe is great, Jeff. Bit. Their front is great. Their secondary is not great. Yeah. Uh, they have a bunch of journeymen at corner. A uh, bunch of older players at corner. Oh, Kareem uh, Jackson's all right, but he's, he's not a good player, right? Yeah. And and they they will move. They'll move him around to play a little safety. Jonathan Joseph will move around. Although Jonathan Joseph is a game time decision, he's banged up with a couple injuries. They will give up plays if you protect. The key here for actually both offensive lines is to protect. Yes. Um, I, I I just think, and then you asked at the top of the show why the Eagles are a favorite here. Home field. Uh, the, uh, Opposed to the home field, which is really the Eagles in Los Angeles, by the way. Um, I, I jokingly said on Twitter that the paid crowd uh, for the Eagles at the Rams game was 55,000. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, it was incredible. So 
I think they have certain advantages in this game, Jeff. I, I think when you go into it, mm-hmm. they've got way better offensive line. And isn't it great that their offensive line is coming around at the right time? Brandon Books is Mr. Steady. Congratulations on his Pro Bowl uh, nomination for uh, second year in a row that he's made it. Um, Lane Johnson is, is healthier now. Jason Peters Knockwood is healthier now. Uh, Kelsey was a man last week. Oh, my God. He, he, he was, he's maybe the best pulling center in the National Football League. So, no so question about it. No question. Right now, they've got some great advantages here. I, I could see why Vegas has them as a favorite. All right, check this out. This is another uh, interesting stat, Give it. right? Give it. The Texans are allowing 20.1 points per game this year, which is pretty darn good. All right, makes it seem like defense very good. But they've also faced five of the seven worst offenses in the league. They faced Buffalo, ranked 31st. They faced Jacksonville, ranked 30th. They faced Washington, 28th. Tennessee 27th and Dallas 26th. The highest ranked offensive team they beat is the Browns who rank 19th. And you, guess what? You see Darnold played very well against them last he week. Did. So again, if you protect. So this is a fun game and the weather's going to clear up. It'll be in the mid 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing how uh, the fans get back into it. It feels like they haven't been home in a while, doesn't it? Well, their last, the Eagles last two games were away, correct? It feels like they haven't won at home at in a while. At Dallas. Yeah, no, that, that's been a problem, but I think, I think they're getting healthier at the right time. I know, Jeff, you set the show up very well. Which Eagle team is showing up? That's my question to you. I, I'm, it's, it's my, it's, I don't know. I need an answer. Give me you, something. Well, here's the thing. Like, you know how we said that a lot of guys who haven't played like last year, it's because it's hard. Like a Nigel Bradham. You know, you expect the top 10% of your team that's really good, your Carsons, your Malcolm Jenkins, Fletcher, they're going to be great every year. But there's that 80% of the league that, you know, they have a great year, and then the next year they, they kind of regress to the mean. It's same way with games, the ebb and flow, right? They go out to L.A. and they play a great game, but am I to, assi- am I to assume now that now that's the team that shows up every week? And Because if, if I am, they might as well put them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious because I'm just thinking about this. Like, I, I, you know, I'd love to see the Eagles play well. Here's my, here's my biggest concerns when I look at this. I look at our, um, the offensive line going up against two of probably the best pass rushers potentially in the game of football right now yes uh, and, and one of them is just uh, his motor is just unbelievable and they move him around so how do we how do the eagles stop that that's that's a concern now that they they, they, they went up against two last week or three yeah. last week too and they did a really nice job and they did it with great balance and they did it with great quickness on their passing so that's that's one of my concerns. The second concern is defensively, when we uh, the Eagles get rush. Last week, Goff is is not a guy who who likes to move. This week, when they get pressure, Watson is a guy who can make plays more on the run than he can stationary. So it's almost like you know when the defensive line gets home, they're like, yes, we got home, we got there. The quarterback is ours. Sack, plays over. Whereas the Texans, you get you beat your man, you get to the quarterback. And then it's like, ding, 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 fire drill. Everybody keep running because the play's still going. And that's my, that's just, a, I'm just throwing it out there what your guys' thoughts are. Well, well rush lanes. You got to defend the rush lanes for yeah. Jeff, right? Yeah. I, I wonder, and I was going to ask you about this from an offensive concept, because you mentioned having Watt and you mentioned Clowney and Whitney Merciless and other, they've got Ooh. the combined between them, we got about 25, 26 sacks. Yep. What do you think about the idea of the Eagles coming out in 12 personnel, which they've been doing a lot anyway, and running a hurry up, no uh, up tempo offense? Get Darren Sproles in there, run the ball, but then also flex him out where you're just running. You know, you try to tire him out. You try to keep the pass rush off. And then you also have an opportunity with two tight ends and Sproles out there to all of a sudden go from running to passing and be able to exploit those guys. There's no doubt about that. That's going to be the key. And and, and Coach Peterson and the offensive staff is really going to have to have a great scheme because you know what you're going to get. They're going to come after you. So you got to use that against them. Counters, draws, screen some wham blocking, things like that, to use that aggressive nature that you're going to see on every snap against them. You're also going to have to really do a, as best as you can to stay out of third and long situations because when you get in third and long, I mean, it's just a fire drill because they're not going to have to worry about the running game at all. So, uh, you know, they can do it. they got to stay balanced. they got to be able to run the ball. And then when they do get in those third and long situations, just be really careful that that's when turnovers can happen. All right, we're going to go. We're, we're, we're at the bottom here. I want to go into our, our fact or fiction segment. And this, the whole point of this is to give me your rapid-fire response. You can give me a, a sentence no more than all that. Right. All right, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. Yep. Adam Kaplan, you start off. 
Fact or fiction, Nick Foles will be a starting quarterback next year somewhere else? Fiction. Fiction. Okay. You want to just give me one sentence on? Yeah, I, I think because I, th- I know the way the league thinks. I think he'll compete for a job somewhere, but I don't think either anyone's going to acquire him to be to where he's going to walk in and be the starter. Ozzy. I agree. I, he, it's a fiction. He's not going anywhere. I don't, th- I don't think the Eagles are trading him at all. He's, if he goes anywhere, he can opt out. He'll be a free agent. No, no, no. His con- he's under contract. Yeah, but he can opt out, I thought. It's a crazy opt out, but here's the bottom line. They're not pay- his salary is $20 million. Right, bucks. they're not paying $20 yeah, million. So he's gone for, anyway. Right, right, right. right. So, so yeah. assuming he's gone, I'm asking right. you, do you think another team will give him a starting chance? Yeah, I think if a team's going to trade for him, they're going to want to put him a starter. So he'll be a starter at the next year. I, if he, yes. All right, I'm going to say I have to settle the tie here. You say uh, no. You say yes. I actually agree with Adam. I think he will be signed to a decent deal as a bridge quarterback. But whoever signs him will draft the quarterback and wind up playing that guy first. <laughs> I like that. All right, that's what I think. All right, second question: <laughs> Fact or fiction? DeAndre Hopkins right now is the NFL's best wide receiver. Fact. Okay. Because he gets open, and it, it seemingly. Everybody knows where the ball's going to. This is what I love about this guy. That's when you know the guy's special. It's not like he has a lot of help. They, don't, they play a lot of two tight end, but they don't use him very much in the pass game. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, no matter what, it's, what teams seem to do to this guy, the guy gets open. and that's He, he gets gr- open. That's a great trade of a great player. And he player. catches everything. Ozzy, yep. fact or fiction? Oh. I, I, I would say, uh, I'd say fact, although I, when I'm looking at route running uh, right now, I, I don't know that I see anybody better yet than Amari Cooper. So it's, you guys are both on fact. Fact. Hopkins is best wide receiver in the league. Right now, yes. All right. I say fiction. I still think it's Antonio Brown. Next question. Josh Adams. Is he a three-down running back in the NFL? Ozzy, I'll start with you. Not now, but he has the potential. No, no, no. Man. Right now. We're talking right now. Fact or fiction, he's Listen, a three-down running back. Listen. I'm asking you to predict. Who is he? Like I'm Joe right. I set the rule. Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you want to host the show, uh, Yes. I need yeah. a mouthpiece. Can I get my ankles taped? I didn't realize that was this happening. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Uh, what was the question? I don't know. You're pitting on Minson State. Yeah, exactly. What was the question? Is Josh Adams going to be a three-down running back in the NFL? You said right now. Uh, no, now I'm saying going to be. He, yes, yes. I, I, I like I like the, And he can do it right now, but could he get better because he got to do blocking? Yes, he can, he can definitely do it. He's got some upside. Adam? No, no. He's, he's been a good story of development to this point. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be looking next year for a guy who could be a three-down back. Someone could really catch the football. That's what their backs historically have been, other than Blunt. They went outside of sort of their usual thought process uh, to have a closer, but anyone who's going to be three down back here has got to be able to catch the football, and he has not shown the ability to do that. And stay healthy. I don't think Josh Adams at yeah. 230 pounds. I think he's just going to take too many I agree to with healthy. you both. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You I, said I was just, oh, I got, I got on, off my on. game. You, got, you yelled at me. I just wasn't, I, I got. Who's the football player here, man? <laughs> he's wearing that cowboy shirt. I don't Seriously. know what that is. Exactly. My gosh. All right, all right. Next love question. It, last one. It. Last one. Fact or fiction, Ozzy, the oh. best Eagles coaching job this year has been done by Jim Schwartz. Does that count positionally or no? Uh, just yes, yes, fine, fine, positionally, fine. Wow. Any any coach on the Eagles staff, best job done by Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I would say if I if I if I had to give if I'm just looking at the three coordinators and the position coaches. I uh, man, this is I, I, yeah. I, if you're asking me fact, fact, yes, fact. Okay, stop looking at me. Of like course, that. I'm asking you. That's the <laughs> damn name of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Mike, is this hard? Did, did I miss? It's an easy like fact, fiction, and. He's over bills overthinking. I am. I I don't want to be wrong. So yes, I see. I'm giving. You're like Henry and Goodfellas. I'm giving this respect. I'm not just giving an answer to give an answer. I'm actually trying to really think about the question. So, and I don't want to hurt Coach Peterson's feelings either in case he's listening. I don't know about you, Henry. I think you can crack. (laughs) Adam, fact or fiction? Schwartz has been the best coach. Fiction. I mean, now last week he was. He put Uh a great, we we, we didn't even mention that. What a great game plan he put together last week. Uh, Everything he did last week, rushed four, dropped seven, did a great job. But no, no. I I would say Stoutland. Stoutland, everything, all the challenges, he's just, he's probably their best coach. What, who does he coach? Jeff Stallin. Jeff Stallin is the offensive guy. Oh, all right, all right. Um, Barrel chest. You may. That yes. would have been my number two Stallin, but uh, I'm going to say fact. Jim Schwartz has done really the best. I mean, my God, he's got. 
Cravat LeBlanc and Devontae Bowsby and Chandon Sullivan and his cousin Trey Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> I met Trey, by the way. I met, I met Trey. Guys that, weren't even on, guys that were even on the practice I was squad. At, they they were training, I was right? at their Irish part uh, last week right. in Jersey. But no, no, I think Jim Florence is Sullivan. I'm going to defend the guy. Big plays. That was crazy. I'm going to defend the guy. I think yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah, but guess yeah, what? It's because of, because of Sean McVay foolishly didn't attack them. That was a ter- it was the worst game that he's coached. You come out and you go after this corner screw the run game. Give me a fucking break. Excuse me. Oh, du- that was the dumbest yes. game I've ever seen. Ring some bell. We got another that was probably, That was one of the worst coaching jobs I've seen this season by any coach. Yeah. Joe Banner agree with me. I said it before he did on Twitter. I don't know what the hell Sean McVay was doing. I agree. I don't with get you. it. What nah, the what first the, down, throw, out, the throw the ball deep. Throw yeah, the goddamn football. Just attack. He didn't oh, do that. I love that. You know what? We have to end yeah, the podcast that here. Me, by the way, we got two Kaplan curses, and that's the best way to end this thing. That is going to do it for inside oh, the birds. Wait, 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 wait. What? I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't we have to give our predictions for the game? Yes, Mosher. Holy mackerel! Oh, wait, did we just yeah, do that? Thirty second timeout. Thirty second timeout. He got it right last time. That's just the way we have each other's back. We have each other's back. See that? My bad. Oh, that's why I love you. The listeners. Charles, he knows exactly. <laughs> don't go to me. I don't have an answer for that one. I All right, make sure I'll we start have. with Adam. Adam, what kidding. happens on Sunday? Texans 20, Eagles 23. Eagles win by three. I, I see where the line is, too. The Eagles will win. It's a tight game on a Jake Elliott field goal who's really got, gotten himself together after a little bit of a slow start. Home crowd will we'll get it done, and they're going to get after Watson. And Bill's right. Got to, got, you've got to be disciplined with those rush lanes or he'll kill you. All right, Billy, what do you got? Because you had some amazing football sense. You predicted the upset last Sunday. You knew it. So tell me what, you're, what is your crystal ball telling you for Sunday? When I first looked at this and I first thought just my initial gut, I am so concerned about the defense and our offensive line. So my initial thought was, the Texans are going to win this game. And as I keep looking at this, keep looking at this, there's just something about the things that are happening. I believe that the Eagles win this game. It's the closest game all season. It can go either way. I believe it's going to come down to the end. And I like the Eagles 20-17. to 17. Um, Whether it's a last game field goal or not, 20-18, to 18, I just think this is, this is by far the closest game. And the Eagles have to keep it low scoring to win this game. You're allowed to end at the final score. You don't have, you know. What's that? Just letting you know. Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to get the Eagles a W, but this is going to be a great right. game no matter how you cut Should it. Should be. I'm going to yeah, say Eagles 23 and the Texans 17. I see the Eagles winning a, a very low scoring game. That's going to do it for Inside the Birds. We have all picked, by the way, the Eagles, so we'll see what happens. The show has been presented by Defend Your Head, makers of the ProTech Helmet Safety Show. Remember to check them out at DefendYourHead.com. Thank you to our listeners. Thanks to the Go Birds pod, WIP. Thank you to the Market Tavern Irish Pub. You guys are awesome. We will be back here for the fourth time sometime in January. We'll let everybody know when we're here. Great crowd. Meanwhile, catch us Saturday from 3 to 4 p.m. on 94.1 WIP for Inside the Birds Radio. We're out. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.